Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Liz. We were just giggling. We were. We were giggling about our <laughs> neuroses. <laughs> yes, that is to putting it mildly. Mm-hmm. But, I, how, but how's my, your health? How's your back? My neuroses is rubbing off on I you. Know, I'm I, sorry. No, gosh. I know. Um, we, we thought it would, be, if, if we were going to get sick from each other, it would be sick of each other yeah. or, or <laughs> pandemic related. But That's you're right. giving me your neuroses. That's just not fair. <laughs> oh, no, well, my, my back is much better. I don't know why. I don't, but it is. It's a lot better. It's funny. I have a little bit going on on this side now, but nothing that's um, even, even close to. I think it's better because you had a lovely, you went to your niece's wedding. Yeah, I You did. got some good news from a family member. I did. I think that there's some well, peace. Yeah, that there's, is. I mean, it's been feeling better for the last you know, I've had two, it flared up two really horrible times. And then since the last time, it's kind of mellowed out and it hasn't come back. And I think you're right. We did have a fabulous trip uh, to St. Louis, Missouri. Quick and dirty. It was a quick and dirty trip. <laughs> we got up at the butt crack of dawn both times to get there and to come home. And so we were very tired. But our trip was just ridiculously fun and um my niece my bless that little girl she she was such a stud through all of this you know imagine she had to postpone she had to postpone did she postpone twice or just three times times. well no twice twice so the first one and then she rescheduled a second time and then now this third one took took (laughs) yeah and it was just a perfect day it was really fun it was beautiful. I've never seen so much joy on someone's face. Seriously, Aww. I mean that she was like when they were they were walking up there, you know, and they were holding hands, and the minister who is Fred's father, okay, the groom's father, the groom's father okay. was the officiator, and he was funny because he said, "Yep, they got on the internet, and now I can marry them." <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny. Like all of us, I think I, yeah. I can marry people yeah, thanks I, to the internet. I so. can too. I just can FYI, too. if anybody's out there. Yes, I can too. So, um, but she would turn her head to the audience and kind of go like that, like make a giggly like just, face, a big excited yeah, it was, smile ear to it was ear. So cute. Aww. It was just so cute. So that reminds me of my daughter last summer when she got married. They the the officiant who's a friend of hers went on the internet. Yeah, um, said uh, said okay, ladies and gentlemen. And she said you know right before as they're saying, do you Josh? Do you Gianna? Blah blah blah. And then she goes she goes yes yes is that. Yeah, but are we married? Yes, yes, yes. Can I say yes, yes? <laughs> and it was just, you know, so I love seeing young people that, like that that are so in love and so yeah, joyous. It was really sweet. So, um, but yeah, then we got some some really awesome news. So I I'm very very close with my sister, and we've been close 
really all our life. I mean, she's four years younger than me, um, but we've just managed to really have a really great friendship. And so, um, and we got closer, I think, through the pandemic because we Zoomed a lot. Yeah. We we talked all the time and we Zoomed with our grandmother. and, And so she's lived in Chicago since, well, Jordan is 28. Jordan's who got married. Okay. Jordan's 28. So I want to say they moved to Chicago when Jordan was two. Oh, wow. So they've lived in Chicago for 26 years. And before that, they lived in the Bay Area, which isn't isn't too far from us. Right. But um, anyway, they're, they're moving back to California. And not only are they moving back to California, but they're moving like a half hour, 20 minutes away from right. me. Right. And, and so I... So the next town over, the I, very, you know... Yeah, yeah, I am just over the moon excited yeah, that I'm going to get to have my sister. Uh, yeah. We're going to get to this next chapter, whatever that means, you yeah. know. So yeah. I'm thrilled. So That's so awesome. So that's really good news. You know, and on, on the, you know, I'll just say it, shitty side of the news... A uh, couple of our really good friends, which we won't name any names, but um, mm. have been diagnosed with some pretty serious cancer, a friend of John's and a friend of ours. Yeah. So that's been weighing heavy on me, mm-hmm. you know, because it just seems like we're to this age where um, every day or every week or something, you hear of another person who's ill or, you know, we, we had a, a young a very young mom passed from COVID right. a couple of weeks ago. And it's right. just, so, I mean, it's just amazing how the world can be full of so much joy and so much sorrow. And I guess that's just part of the human condition. But everything is very heightened right now, yeah, for sure. It is. Uh, you know, we're living in this time when everything is heightened. Mm-hmm. And whether it's, you know, everything from your passion about your political stance or your religious stance or your, you know, your spouse, your children. I mean, we're all living with passion right under the surface. Mm -hmm. And all of us want to just express. And I think part of that is because of of social media platforms. We all have the opportunity to say, well, this thought is in my head. This is important. I I need to get this out. I'm going to go spread it on the Internet. It used to be a diary. Yeah, it used to be. We used di- to write in our diaries and now. Dear diary. Dear diary, I am really pissed off at whoever. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And now we just let the whole world know. And yeah. then you've got people who are saying, um, I'm so sorry. Or you've got other people saying, get over it. Right. Right. Well, and, and it's funny, too, the, the, the difference of opinions between what you should share and what you shouldn't. So yeah. on the health note, uh, you had asked me how I'm feeling. Well, you know, I think I shared on on this podcast that I had to be have a heart monitor on. Right, for right. So um, I got to take it off yesterday, which was so exciting. Nice. And so, but one of the kind of fun things about wearing a heart monitor is when you go through the airport, you get you get tagged. You don't. You can't. You you don't. You know. So I had to be patted down twice, and they put this little thing on your hands to make to test you for explosives and all this stuff. <laughs> so you had a, a little bit of exciting. I did, you know, going and coming, you know, and I'm telling the lady who's patting me down, it's a heart monitor, and yeah, I can see that it is, and you know, but I told John, I think I should post this on social media. I should, you know, and he goes like, 
why do you want to do that? Why do you want to tell everybody your business? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Well, I got I got tagged going yeah. through the through the, you know, security. Well, I think it's a lot, it's actually lighter than a lot of the stuff that we put on social media. I think so many of us are carrying so many heavy things that, you know, I don't even think about putting light things on the social media anymore. (laughs) You know, a few years ago, it was like, look at this fabulous twice-baked potato that I made, you know? And now it's like, look at this fabulous hate note that I got from somebody, Well, he's like, well, now everyone, then people are going to be asking you, what's wrong with your heart? Why do you have to, why do you have, you know, I hope you're okay, blah, blah, blah. So, well, I would have put in the post, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Now, do you have to have a follow-up for that? Do you have I, to, or, yeah, or have I, you already, have they already read it? I haven't. So okay. I, I put it in the, I put the little deal in the mail yesterday. Okay. So, and I don't know when my appointment is, so I don't know. But the whole time I wore that silly thing, and it's really not a silly thing. It's right, of kind course. of an amazing technology that they can do that. But I, I didn't have any kind of incident. So right. I don't know. Just So hopefully there was nothing that they read on there that would be uh, any red flags. I have no idea. Yeah. So anyway, blah, wow. blah, blah. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, as we're talking about, you know, ex- news, good mm, news, bad, bad news. news. That's, um, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about compassion fatigue. And empathy fatigue. There's all kinds of fatigue, really. There really is, but, yeah, but all and kinds. A of... lot of people are experiencing that. Yeah, I think. and you know, I have in-laws. My sister's-in-law and brother-in-law. They're in. They're in the medical field, and they're they're. Some of them are teaching nurses. Some of them are ER nurses. Some of them are, um, you know, uh, emergency room mm-hmm. coordinators. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just all, there's all levels uh, for these particular people, and I'm very proud of them, and I love them, and they're amazing. But they've been talking about you know this compassion fatigue for actually you know a long a, a long portion of their career, mm-hmm. especially the ones that are working in emergency rooms. Right. So they get exhausted from seeing the same people over and over and over again with gunshot wounds and with overdoses and all that kind of stuff. And what they have to do is treat them like they're coming in for the first time. Even though what they might want to say is, dude, I saw you here, uh, you know, a week ago and enough is enough and, you know, you you need to knock it off or I'm just not going to treat you anymore. I mean, that's not something they can say. Well, there's a... the idea of kind of tough love is what it makes me think of. Right. You know, you they, they can't do that. No. Like a parent could. No. You know, a parent can say, no more, I'm done. But a yeah. physician can't really. Although we're hearing more and more. I, I heard a story um, about a doctor who just was fed up with with trying to, t- to deal with COVID people who are so, so sick but didn't get the vaccine. Yeah. And it's like at a point, it's hard to be compassionate anymore. Right. You know, and and I think that that's happening maybe more than we know. Yeah, I think it's happening among among medical people and Mm -hmm. and psychiatrists and counselors and psychologists and all that kind of thing. But I think, but now it's happening for you and me for just 
you know, average Joes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> average we are Joe. Josephines, you yeah, know, yeah. we are we are struggling with compassion fatigue. My sister's a middle school counselor and she is dealing with this a lot. She's really close to retirement. So mm-hmm. I think that she has a little bit of, you know, of short timers kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> disease about that. <laughs> yeah. But she's also very tired mm-hmm. of being compassionate. Mm-hmm. And of having to give over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. And last week, I was supposed to, you know, you have this choir, this community choir. And last week, just before choir, it was maybe 4 o'clock in the afternoon, everything was making me jump. And so I dropped a spoon, and I felt my heart rate go up, and I felt my blood pressure rise. Because I dropped a spoon, and just the sound Mm -hmm. was hard. And I thought, did I break something? What, what just happened? What, what is everything? Okay. I mean, yeah, it's it's like you're, you're on edge. I'm on edge. And I sat down and watched the news and started crying at everything that I was seeing on Mm -hmm. the news. And then I sat down and ate and my husband was chewing. (laughs) (laughs) And I just wanted to smack him. And he's not a loud chewer, not even a little bit. But it just was, yeah. It was just too much. And every time his fork hit the plate, <laughs> you know, I heard this sound. Sorry, people. But that, that's what I heard is just this sound, mm-hmm. you know. And so I looked at him and I said, I can't go to choir. Because sitting there listening to the people around me sing and the chairs scraping on the and floor. And the chatter. And, and the and chatter. And there's a lot of chatter there's in there. There's a lot of chatter. And there's a lot of times when you as the director have to say, can you be quiet? I mean, you have to speak into a microphone so that you don't yell over the chatter. Right, because it hurts my voice. And we are, mm-hmm. you know, 50 plus year old people. Right. <laughs> and you guys still act like a bunch of kids. <laughs> And I knew that I was in no position to to be around people. Yeah. And so I just I I think I might have texted you. Maybe I didn't. I no, just I didn't show I up. I just didn't show up because you texted me later and yeah. said, "Hey, are you okay?" Yeah. And an, another member of choir who's a nurse texted me and she said, "Hey, are you okay?" Because obviously everybody's worried about COVID and and everyone's. I think we are sort of a family in there. And when someone who comes regularly isn't there. Yeah. People get concerned. There's concern. Mm -hmm. And so she texted me and I said, um, I said, honestly, I I just felt like I was on overload and I needed to go to bed. And that's exactly what I did. I think I was in bed by 7.15. Wow. And and she said, compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. She said, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to be gone for 10 days. So I won't be at choir next week. But she said, I can't wait because she's a nurse. Mm Mm-hmm. And she said, I can't wait to not worry about other people. Yeah. I can't wait to stop being empathetic for just a few days. Right. And, you know, that's, I mean, obviously it's in her nature to be completely compassionate and empathetic. That's why she went into nursing. Mm-hmm. But she is suffering from compassion yeah. fatigue. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like you just said, you know, everyday Josephines like you and me, who we're not healthcare professionals, but both you and I know a lot of people. And for me, I feel like I go through these seasons, I'll say, where they'll be, and I'm in one now, 
There's a lot of people around me that I know very, very well who are going through extremely, extremely difficult situations in their lives, be it an illness or a spouse with an illness or loss of a job or a kid being whatever, you know, naughty, not <laughs> naughty. And, and, you know, and I think I've got this person I'm worried. I, I've got eight people in my life right now. And that's about how many I have right now who are going through really hard situations, really hard. Yeah. And that was during, and you know, all that with all those people, uh, going on at the same time, I'm dealing with losing my dog and my own health things. And it's like, wow, yeah. compassion fatigue for sure. Like I just, I can't deal with anymore. Right. Please universe. Don't give me one more person in my life that has a tragedy going on. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't do it. Because the last thing you oh. want to do is to say, sorry, I, I can't, I can't talk I know. to you. I know. You know what you want to do and what you feel that you need yes. to do because you're in relationship with these people. You love people. Is open your heart and and, and give them 20 minutes to talk to you on the phone right. or text back or respond to a, a social media post or, or whatever. Right. You can't just ignore right. these people because that's not who you are. Right. And you want them to know that just because they're going a hard, through a hard time, you're not going to abandon them. Right. Um, but, but yet at the same time, there's a reason that we have to put the oxygen mask on first in, when we're flying on an airplane, yeah, yeah. you know, because we are, we need to take care of ourselves, right. but boy, it is tough. Yeah, it can be tough. You know, I mean, I can even relate to compassion fatigue, uh, being a singing teacher. Oh yeah. Um, because you know, there have been, I mean, I've been teaching singing for a long time and, um. There have been a handful of people. I can probably only count them on, well, I could probably count them on two hands <laughs> if I really tried. But, you know, in the last, I'll say, five years, there's really only been two. There's been a couple students that have come through that I got to the point where I would almost dread these people coming in because they were so hard on me because... If there was, they brought with them a negative energy and a... Did they use you as a counseling kind, session? Kind, kind of. I mean, I've always kind of considered myself as a counselor. Yeah. You but know? A good ear, a listening ear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, being a singing teacher, there comes a... There's an element of being a teacher, but oftentimes singing can be... There's a, there's a psychological thing that goes along with it, especially... With older people. and Who have a lot of baggage, uh -huh. who have heard from a lot of people that you're not good enough. All of that. Yeah. All of that. And so, um, you know, it's not so much with kids. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I got to a place a couple of years ago where I told my office staff, you know what? No more grown-ups. <laughs> don't, don't give me any more grown-ups. If you've got, if kids call, if kid, you know, I'll take the kids. But I just need to not have any more grown-ups. Wow. because there was just there can be and it's not with everybody it's a very very small 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 percentage that that drain you yeah most they might come in with stuff but 
you you you're able to get through it with and have breakthroughs with the people. And be, those breakthroughs yeah, make it all yeah, worth and, it. Yeah, and they're open, right? And they want to be there, and they want to learn. And then there's this handful that it's like, okay, I can't keep saying this over and over and over and feeling like I'm just not getting through. Yeah, you know, and there and there's a tiredness that happens, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like you don't want to fire those students <laughs> but um yeah. yeah so i mean even you know and that happens i think with educators everywhere you know right. you've got kids that can be hard and parents that can be hard and you know right and i'm the mom that people will call because they have children that have gone sideways mm-hmm. and so because of what we went through in our own family several years ago i mean it's been several years but for me it's 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 ongoing right and it's not ongoing because the problems are continue to be there because they're not Mm -hmm. my children are beyond all of those dark years Mm -hmm. but for me I'm still the mom of these kids that went sideways and so I'm the mom that gets a phone call you know, in the middle of the night or gets a text message or who gets a, you know, social media message saying, I never thought that I would need to reach out to you, but I'm asking you for help because I have a son who I haven't seen in four days. And I just saw a picture of him on Instagram with a gun pointed at his head. Oh, gee. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, there's a part of me, and I, I might have even said this before, but there's a part of me that just wants to say, okay, what you need to do is this, and you need to do it now. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, having been there, there's things that I wish I would have done right then, right sure. there, you know. It, it, yeah. Yeah, in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't say that because not everybody's where you are now well, and or pro- even and, where you were. Yeah, and the problems might not be... That bad. This might just be like, you know, for some, in fact, sometimes I feel myself being a little bit jealous of people that I talk to. And six months later, I'm like, how are things going? And they're going, oh, it's so great. He just, you know, he's enrolled in school and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, six months, that's all? (laughs) That's all you had to deal with it? What the heck? You know? (laughs) And so I get sometimes a little bit jealous of people Mm. whose struggles are shorter than mine. And that's not even, you know, that's not even 100% true. But, I get that, though. But, you know, there's that compassion fatigue mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm I'm not the, the woman who gets a phone call saying, we're going to be playing Bunko. Come join us. <laughs> Bunko. <laughs> I've heard that Bunko's fun. I've never played. No, I know. I've heard it fun as well, and I've yeah. never played either. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not that person that gets that phone call saying, hey, come play Bunko with me. I'm the person that says, I have a son yeah. or a daughter <laughs> who just got in trouble, and what should I do, and yeah. how should I, you know? And so I am really struggling with compassion fatigue right now because on top of the, of the um, struggles, and the people who contact me, and listen, I am there for you. If you need to contact me, I will be your listening ear. Right. Because even though I'm tired, I am not going to turn yeah, you away. That's, yeah, for I sure. Mean, I'm not. Yeah. Um, however, uh, you know, yes and, yes, I'm not going to turn you away, and mm-hmm. I am tired. Yeah. And I would love to have a, 
you know, a, a gift card show up in the mail that says, hey, go get your nails done or something like that, you know, <laughs> um, because I need to also take care of myself. Yeah. You know, a friend of ours, the you and me, we were together with a couple of women a few weeks ago and we were talking about all these challenges, mm-hmm. um, abuse from our from our past, abuse from both spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. um, relational abuse, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And um, and so a, the name of a book came up, and it's called the the body keeps the score. The body keeps the score. Mm-hmm. And so two or three days later, somebody else recommended that book to me, and I said, "This is the universe telling me to get that book. I need to get that book." So I did, and I haven't read past the first fifty pages or so. But one of the things that that just clicked immediately was trauma changes the brain. Yep. Trauma changes you. And it doesn't just make you, you know, a more cautious person or a more, uh, I don't know, nervous person. It it literally changes the brain. It changes the brain chemistry. Chemistry. Mm -hmm. And so when people say, get over it, or people say, this too shall pass, or people say, move on. These are, none of these things are things that you can actually do because the body keeps the score. When, when I was in my therapy, which I've mentioned a little bit about that on, on our podcast here, but I was in a therapy group for about 10 years and um, talking about trying to change. So we all have like certain neuropathways in our thinking that, that are like, carved out that are just kind of our um like think about river tributaries think about the the streams and stuff that break off from rivers yeah and that's exactly the picture I got in my mind I I got this picture in my mind of a mountaintop and a snow cap and how over the years the rivers are formed Mm -hmm. and how so how very difficult it would be to make those rivers go in a different direction. Yeah. You know, I mean, you literally have to dam off. Dam, dam it off. The, yeah. And, and, I mean, you literally have to rebuild another, an, another way and another river mm-hmm. and another neuropathway to, to change those chemical um, ways of thinking that have been ingrained and from a trauma, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I mean, we all have them just from growing up, you know, yeah, ways right. of our ways of thinking and ways of looking at the world, but those traumatic events, it's like they're these carved rivers and it, it's very very difficult to change those. It can be done. Mm-hmm. And but it's not even really that they're changed. I mean, in my in my situation, I feel like it's more that now I have tools so that when I find myself going down a certain river, mm-hmm. I can kind of st- stop it. Mm-hmm. I have I have the ability now to to stop myself from going down the river, and catching this redirecting ca- catching a branch over here and getting out of it and yeah, yeah and going a different way in my thought process. Right. Um, but it took, and I mean I still I I. It's a practice that you have. It's something if, that you have to practice every, I, all gonna, the time. I'm going to have to do it till the day I die. Of course. Of course. Because that's just the nature of 
my particular kinds of trauma that that I experienced growing up. And right. so, um, so what are some very practical things that we can do if we're suffering from compassion fatigue um, and we want to kind of redirect those those mm-hmm. neural pathways and we want to redirect, you know, as we watch the news. I mean, obviously one thing we can do is just turn off the news, but it also feels like right now is not really the time to be uninformed. We need to have, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. So what are some very practical ways? Well, I think for me personally, and I wish I would have discovered this, you know, years and years ago. um, But for me, just being quiet and kind of having meditation time and then going and doing my yoga, Mm -hmm. Those things take me out of myself. Yeah. And um, a lot of times people struggle with meditation because they can't keep their brain quiet. And I know that when I first tried to do that, I felt like, well, I'm not, I don't know how to do it because my brain won't shut up, you yeah. know. And I since have learned that, no, everybody's brain, it's a practice. And so you can practice redirecting your brain and so when you notice yourself thinking about what you have to get at the grocery store mm-hmm. you can go oh oh nope and then focus back on your breath and you you can you can learn to not to not you can learn to quiet your brain and right. so i think if we can all um find a space once a day where you can quiet your brain a little even for 30 minutes just and focus on what is happening. So you focus on your breath. Yeah. You focus on. You can even look at a color, a pattern yeah. that's in your that's in your house, and kind of, you know, look at that pattern and and take in that pattern and appreciate the pattern. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just about being now. Yeah. And for me, I have kind of a list of things that I can repeat over and over to myself that are positive sort of affirmation things that I will say over and over to rebuild more positive pathways to try to get rid of the more negative voices that, you know, kind of have haunted me and still can haunt me. But the more and more that I can be quiet and just kind of repeat positive things about who I I do know that I am, Mm -hmm. you know, that has helped me a lot. I think getting away, like yeah, you had just said, right. um, our friend is going away for 10 days, you know, right. going and sitting on the beach for an afternoon, d- just removing yourself from the chaos of, of what's happening around us, mm-hmm. you know. Those, those things for me are the most positive way, going for a run, going for a walk, getting outside, Getting out of your normal environment, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, going to the, that wedding was just. I mean, I didn't open my computer once. Wow. I mean, I didn't wow. even didn't even think about mm-mm. it. Didn't even think about what kind of emails might be coming nope. in. I just it's like ah, eh, it can all wait. I wow. don't. There's nothing pressing. I don't need to do anything right now. And so you know, and I know that I get I get caught up in in all the tasks of the day and I've got to get all this done. I mean, I do. I'm mm-hmm. I'm guilty of, of that. I have these lists. I have them here. You can see my yeah. list down there. I mean, they're just... So trying to get out of feeling so bogged down by all the stuff to do and 
trying to just, okay, if I got three things done off that list, then that's good. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I don't need to do 87 things, although sometimes I have to, but. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I don't know. What about for you? I mean, well, what are the things you know, that you I do? I was just uh, having this mental picture of the, of the, uh, of the the rivers and the tributaries mm-hmm. and redirecting and all that. And a few, um, a month or so ago, you know, in July, Tom and I had a wedding anniversary. It was our 35th anniversary and he bought paddle boards um, for us for our anniversary because it was something that I have expressed interest in doing, right? Paddle boards. Well, he, neither one of us have ever been on a paddle board, ever. Where, uh, not like, even like would you go to the lake? Yeah, the or, lake oh, or okay. rivers or even even ocean, uh, even you know up by the shore and and, okay. and some of the you know calmer parts of the of the ocean, and um, so uh, I, we've got a lot of water you know ways here in Central California. There's mm-hmm. lakes everywhere. And so, and every time we're in Boise, I just see people with paddle boards everywhere. It's a very water-friendly town with the river and and lakes, man-made lakes and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, I want, you know, I want paddle boards. And so he completely surprised me. It was not something that I expected him to buy at all. Okay. But like I said, neither one of us have ever been on a paddle board. So we went out to one of the lakes. And because we're having a water crisis right now in Mm -hmm. California, Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Um, the lakes, all of our lakes are much lower than they should be, which means that there's very, there's a very small area for boats to like go in a circle. So they're kind of, you know, going okay. in a circle. Um, so that means the shoreline is smaller as well. And yeah. it's closer to the boats that are out there yeah, yeah, rocking, yeah. The, rocking the waves, right? And so we went to one lake, and I mean, it, you know, we'd get up on the board, and immediately a boat would, you know, be, Not, when are they mm-hmm. out? They're like 100 yards out or something like that, because they can't be right up by the shore. But those waves would just come in, and you're like, oh, so this is this is the science behind a tsunami. Yeah. Because it's just small out there, and by the time it gets to you, it's, it's kicking big. your butt. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're falling off of this paddleboard, and you're trying to stand, and you're trying to find your footing, you're trying to find a balance, you know. And uh, one day my uh, son and, and, and his girlfriend came out, and they joined us, you know, on this, uh, on this excursion. And um, she immediately stands up because she's been a ballerina for years and years and years, and so she understands balance. And I'm like... Dude, you know, she's yeah. never been. My son, he stands up. He's out there. He just looks like Moana. Is that the character's name? Or is that the movie from the, <laughs> the movie? But what, was, what was the male character's I, name in Moana? I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, he just looks like a looks like a Hawaiian god yeah, out there yeah. on the water. He yeah. just was so beautiful out there standing up. And I'm like, how? How do you do that? And he says, "Well, I've been paddleboarding in Idaho. I paddleboarded in Santa Cruz. I paddleboarded in Aruba. How big is a paddleboard? I'm paddle like, what? And is so like he was big? so good at it. It's like um, maybe seven feet long, like so seven is it a feet surf- long. Is it a it's surfboard? like the size of a surfboard. Okay. And you actually pump them up, so they're they're 
very hard rubber, and so they can go up against rocks and stuff and not okay. pop. So I they're not. I guess I don't know what a paddleboard even. You'll is. have to look it up after we're All done right. recording. Okay. Okay. And so it's, and then you've got you've got paddles. So you've got each one of you have just one. Okay. And you so you stand up on the paddleboard. Okay. And then just, you know, just very um, uh, regally, you know paddle out in the water and, so you, have, and you have like a one row one okay, one paddle okay, right okay. and you go to the left and you go to the right and it's also <laughs> romantic right until it's not because you're getting thrown off well, and yeah, your feet yeah. are literally a, a, above your head as you're getting thrown off you you literally are not just like oh i fell oops so no it, it's it your, kicks your butt it kicks your butt and your feet are way up above you and um so we went to one lake and and then we went to that same lake again a week or so later and my husband was just like, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. And within about an hour, I got it. I oh. was standing. Really? I, oh, yeah. And waves would come and I'm like, I, I am not falling off. This is amazing. I and think surfing is next for you. Surfing. <laughs> And we'll see about that. And so I was just, it was everything I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I fun. wanted it to be. It, it was awesome. Totally fun. And so, but my husband was just, I can do this. I can do this. And so he'd get up on his knees and would be paddling okay, and said, okay, okay I, can, I can do this on my knees. All right. Okay. Well, last weekend, we were going to go this past weekend again, but we it was just so smoky. We neither yeah. one. We worked in the yard on Saturday, and we're having a hard time breathing. We're like, yeah, no, we probably shouldn't be outside on Sunday. So, but last weekend we went, and we went to a lake, which is um, Pine Flat Lake. Yeah. And we went to a section of the lake where the houseboats are docked. Okay. Which means that between the shore and the houseboats... If there's any uh, motorboats that are going to come through, they're going to come through very, very slowly because they're just coming through to park. Right. You know, or get... because they're houseboats. Yeah. And they yeah. can't. Right. Make the but, but I mean, even the motorboats, it, because they sometimes will enter the water in that area, but they can only go five miles an hour. Right. That's all that they can go. And so then when they get beyond the houseboats, then they can go speeding off and then right. they can make all the waves that they want. Right. But for us, that was a, that was a perfect you know, calm section. Mm-hmm. And my husband got his paddleboard legs. Yay. And he was standing and, he, you, you know, do it. It, it 20 minutes at a time. And I just thought, you know, when you're talking about rewiring the brain and working on other pathways, you know, this is, these are muscles. Mm-hmm that you don't normally use. Right. So there's a lot of core Mm -hmm. that's involved. There's a lot of upper thighs because Mm -hmm. if a wave comes, you kind of squat just a little bit to kind of, kind of keep yourself from falling. Um, You know, you want to go into, which is also fabulous. You want to go into the wave as opposed to sideways, because if the wave hits you sideways, it's going to flip you over. It's going to flip you over, right. But if you go straight into it, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be able to break apart that wave a mm-hmm, little bit. Mm-hmm. And then you're just going to go up and down and up and down okay. and ride it a little uh, bit more. Okay. And how, what a great word picture for like the time we see ourselves in, mm-hmm. you know, just, just keep yourself 
you know, as steady as possible and ride mm-hmm. the wave and enjoy it as opposed to fighting, fighting it, which yeah. we're all doing. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's like the idea of just like surrendering to open hands. You know, I'm just going to surrender to what's going on and, and I'm just going to walk it through. And if, if our businesses get shut down again or if whatever, you just, Instead of, like you said, fighting it, fighting it. And so, well, in in, in terms of compassion fatigue, I mean, just even that, you know, surrendering to the fact that I'm tired and and like not fighting it, you know, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in that for everything in life. Yeah, because we we're always when we're tired, it's because Mm -hmm. we've spent the day fighting. Mm -hmm. We're fighting against a schedule. We're fighting with a spouse or with children or we're fighting with the yard, the unruly Mm -hmm. yard. I mean, we are constantly fighting something. Right. And we're trying to keep stuff under control, whether it's our relationships or our yard work or our housework or whatever. Right. Our jobs. Um, Our jobs, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we are fatigued at the end of every day. But this but being compassionate and empathetic is make we are so tired. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Of caring about one another, and yet we've got to keep doing it. Right. We, we've we got to keep doing it. You can't, like you said earlier, you know, it's like if someone called me, I'm I'm not going to not go. Right. You know? You know, the best tip about paddleboarding in order to get yourself up and everything is don't look down. Mm-hmm. So look out to the horizon. So look out to the future. Mm-hmm. Look ahead mm-hmm. to the horizon. It makes me think of yoga. Yeah. You oh. have to pick a spot in front. There you go. To get your balance. You there know, you go. There's something called a tree pose where you put your leg up on your inner thigh and your arms come up. And I can only do it if I'm looking, if I find a spot. If I, The minute I look you know, anywhere else, I, I'm going to fall. Yeah. And, you know, some, and same thing as a dancer when you're, when you're going in circles, you know, the older you get, the more circles right. cause you to right. become a little bit unbalanced. But it, as you are a dancer, you pick a spot on each wall mm-hmm. and then you just, as you turn, you look back, you look at that spot, you turn, you look mm-hmm. at that spot. And even as you're moving across the floor, you just turn and look at the same spot. As soon as you start to look around, that's when you get dizzy. That's when you get dizzy and, and lose your balance. And you fall. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, looking down at that board, if you look down at the, at the board or at your feet, you're going to fall, right. even if the water is super calm. Right. If you look down at the, at the tip of the board, you're going to fall. But as soon as you look out to the horizon and you think that, that is the place I want to go, then, then you can find your balance. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is such good wisdom for mm-hmm. where we are right now. Yeah. We have got to look forward right. I, to where we want to be. Right. Not where, how mad we are, where we are right now. Exactly. But where we want to be as a individual, in our families, in our communities, in our world. So if we want this pandemic to end, we need to look ahead and do what we need to do and surrender to the things that we need to do so that we can reach the end of this thing. Right. You know? And the more we fight, the more we look around mm-hmm. at what 
is causing or what is driving the, you know, the more we look at this information and, and we're on YouTube and we're on Google and we're like, I, what is, I'm, I want to take, I want to take this medication. It's, I know it's for animals, but I'm going to take it anyway. Right. You know, and it's just, (sighs) but, but this, that kind of thing, it's because we've lost our balance and we're not just looking forward to where we want to be and who we want to be down the road. And I think and I think that figuring that out comes easier for some people than others. I think there are people who are suffering from the whole idea of compassion fatigue and just general fatigue because mm-hmm. of what we've been through the last year and a half almost coming up here now on 2 years mm-hmm. who aren't even really aware that they're so tired. Mm-hmm. And you know, and just you know, watching the news and seeing the numbers and watching the politics and there it's, it's, it's exhausting. And I don't, and I think, you know, again, some people are more aware of how tired they are than others. Right. And I think that's just because we're all wired up so differently, you know, but if we all, if we all like really were aware, man, we're all really tired and what can we do to support one another and help each other? And understand as mm-hmm. as compassionate, you know, as, even though we're suffering from compassion fatigue, we can find compassion for another human being mm-hmm. and for the fact that they might be dealing with things differently than we are. Right. And we're, we're just all, we're all so tired. And so when you look at somebody and say, why can't that person be reasonable? Right. <laughs> well, instead of saying that, just say, gosh, they must be so tired of yeah. fighting. Yeah. They must be so tired of this fight. Yeah. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to be compassionate. I'm just going to love them. And even if I'm too tired to be nice, I can just say something like, I'm sorry, this has been so hard on you. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry we're going through this. Uh, yes, you're right. This is a tough time. I mean, there's always something to agree with. Yeah, and there's always something nice to be said. You yeah. know, I mean, I shouldn't say always, but <laughs> usually I'll say 99% of the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if something sucks, right. we can figure out a way to not have to be mean or right. or defensive or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. I'm tired, Liz. <laughs> I, right, I know. But take care of take care of yourself. You know, everybody out there, just take care of you. Mm-hmm. Understand that um, that you know, like I was I was telling my husband, I am so mad at so and so because she just said the stupidest thing. Blah blah blah. And he's like, you have got to just not get so riled up over someone else's opinion. Right. And I, I, I'm like, but I, but, but, you know, yeah. I have all these reasons why I'm indignant. But I need to recognize that actually my reaction is me being tired. Yeah, yeah. Well, my therapist, who I often hear her in my mind, um, it's nobody's, it's none of your business what other people think of you. <laughs> And that's a hard one in, in today's it world, is. isn't it? I'm like, but it is but my I, business. I want them to like me. I want them to love me. I know. I know. <laughs> but we've got to take care of ourselves. Yeah. We've got to take care of ourselves. So if you have any tips on how to alleviate 
compassion fatigue, uh, empathy fatigue, mm-hmm. um, let us know. Reach out to us at um, uh, wedancewithskeletons at gmail.com or go to dancingwithskeletons.net and look at our blog and talk to us there. Mm -hmm. Um, We would love to hear from you. We would love to connect with you. We would love to get your ideas Mm -hmm. on how to take care of yourself, self-care. I know that's a a word that we throw around a lot. But we need to all be better about that. So that's, you know, we're all looking for ways to be kinder to ourselves and to each other. And to each other, yeah. All right, well. Till next time, Liz. Till next time, Dan. Have a great week. You too. Bye, everybody.